10 Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are talking about the playoff today. So if you want to hear that thought and then thoughts that are coming down the pike about the NFL draft, it's draft season, y'all. Get hype. It's exciting. Make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Google, Apple. Make sure to like, subscribe, share it with a friend. Oh, I love the draft. It's coming as I'm filming this right now. The NFL Combine is going on. Oh, so exciting. I love the draft. It's like it, it's it's like Christmas night when the draft comes. So it's going to be really exciting. Uh, but we are going to talk about the playoff today. I, I mentioned that a, a good friend of mine, Don Castelline, is going to join us. And at, at the break, I, I have a pre-recorded interview with him that you guys are going to get a chance to listen to. Don is a really, really connected guy. Uh, particularly in more locally here in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour outside of State College. That's where where I live, where uh, I record from is Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. But he has been in the radio industry, I think, for, for almost 30 years, and he's been doing sports broadcasting uh, all throughout that time. Uh, he's actually also uh, works for a missions, organi- uh, missions organization that's actually, uh, it helps with a school over in Moldova, which is bordering the Ukraine. So obviously he has been a busy man. And so you'll hear more about that. The ministry he works with is Keys Ministries, but you'll get to hear more about that, how he's been impacted by the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Uh, But in terms of football, in terms of his knowledge, he's he's been connected, has really good thoughts. He's been uh, in the high school football game for a while, just covering the PIAA. So I'm really excited for you to listen to his thoughts on the playoff. I think he has some very, very rational thoughts. Before we get to that, I want to I give you some of my impression with the playoff. And you'll, you'll hear a little bit of, of this in the interview, but we mostly just spent time talking about his thoughts about the, the playoff. Playoff expansion has obviously been a big deal. It's been a big deal uh, over the past offseason, and then a little bit into the, the regular season until they've kind of each time it seemed like they got somewhere. And then most likely because of the SEC, someone down the line was like, this is not advantageous for us. And so in the summer, they were talking expansion. They're like eight teams, 10 teams, 12 teams, maybe 12. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma and Texas is like, hey, by the way, we're going to the SEC. And all the other conferences were like, hey, wait a minute. We see what you're doing, SEC. You're you're trying to get like six teams in the playoff. We're we're walking away, which I thought made sense. And now they they were having more talks, seeing if they could maybe revise the playoff before the contract ran out of the the current deal with ESPN, which I, I honestly think would have been the best move because I I just don't think it's helpful for a network to own a playoff. I just don't, I think there's just too much opportunity for corruption. Alas, again, the deal kind of fell through and there hasn't been a lot of information on it, but Gene Smith, Ohio state athletic director came out. And one of the things he said was we don't want home playoff games in December, which as a Buckeye fan, I'm like, yeah, I, in one sense, I can agree with that. In one sense, I don't. 
I would like to see an SEC team have to play in the bitter cold, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, Ohio State doesn't want to play in the bitter cold. That's how they lost to Michigan. I, I think that game is maybe a little different if it's indoors in Indy. So I, I could see where Gene Smith was coming from, but it, it just seems like they're, the deal is not right yet for some of the other power teams that are not in the SEC, which is fine, but basically they, they now are, they, they are resigned to the fact that they're going to let the current contract run out, which I believe runs out in 2026. So we've got another four or five years of a system that is better than the BCS, um, but not much better than the BCS. It is better, and, and it, it's better in certain regards, and it's worse in other regards. But it, let me just give you my two cents on this whole thing. One, I do think it was good for the conferences to slow down and think about getting it right, particularly with SEC expansion. Because I think one of the fears of expanding the playoff is you want to give more access to teams and you want to give more in hopes of, of building more parity, I think. If the SEC finagles it in such a way that they can fill out half the field like they're already doing, you know, half the field's only two teams at this point, but if they have a 12 team playoff and they can get like six teams in that, that really, that does so much more of a disservice to the other conferences. And so they need to find a way to, if they're going to expand, there has to be a cap on how many teams a conference can get in because again, it can be exploited in such a way that you ultimately all the best players go to a certain conference. And then that becomes, that really becomes the, the national championship race is who wins that conference, which in a lot of ways, that's been the case for the past 10, 12 years. If you think about it, even going back to the BCS, but I, I think the conference, the other conferences are trying to, to fight against that. I do think there's also the, the question of who's going to own it, who's going to own the rights to it. I, if I had to guess, I, I think the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, they're not going to be in favor of ESPN holding this thing again. So I, that's just my, my sense um, is, is that would be the case. So that, that's one thing. I do think, though, if you ever want to get more parity in the sport, you, you've got to expand this thing. You, you've got to expand it. And, and, and here's how I would expand it. And a lot of this, this is coming from Joel Klatt, uh, some of Joel Klatt's ideas, which if you don't follow him, he's, he's uh, the Fox color analyst for, uh, for their big noon kickoff game. I think he's a really, he has a really good mind for, the sport really good mind for kind of the infrastructure of the sport. But here's what I would do. I would go either to 12 or 14 teams, which that sounds like a lot. And my, my friend Don would probably disagree with me on this, but here's, here's what I would, 
do. I, I think there's there's some big picture objectives that we need to accomplish, big picture goals. One, you need to design a playoff system that both encourages the, the whole season being important while also emphasizing conference uh, conference champions. Okay, now you might be thinking, well, if you expand this thing to 14 teams, you're getting rid of the importance of the regular season. And I would say that's garbage. Um, I think at this point, I would say the regular season doesn't matter for most teams past week seven. Like it matters for maybe 10 teams when it comes to the playoff. And that's it when you get to week seven because everybody else is out. So I, I, I don't agree with that assessment. That being said, I, I, I think we have devalued the conference championship. And so what I would say, and, and Don would say the top 10, I think the power five conference champions should be guaranteed in if they are a top 15 team in a computer generated poll or, or maybe a selection committee. Um, I don't like the current selection committee. I think there has to be some sort of baseline objectivity. And so or I, I would bring in some computer analytics to kind of help rank teams. I still think you, you need to have some sort of human element there too, but I don't think they should be given as much power as they, they have right now. But I think the, the power five conference champs and maybe the highest group of five champs should get automatic automatic bids if they're ranked in the top 15. There's still some room for finagling and corruption there, but I, I think at least you're guaranteeing a spot. And what I would say is you got to get rid of divisions in each of the conferences. It, the, the, rule, the rule has to be your top two teams in each conference play, uh, play each other at the end of the season. Because this way you don't get you know, a seven and five Northwestern who was terrible all year, but just squeaked by in a bad West division of the big 10. And now all of a sudden they somehow upset Michigan in, you know, number two, Michigan in the big 10 championship game. I think you gotta, you gotta eliminate the divisions and just go top two big 12 does it. I think it works. And as you do that, I, I think you're, it forces conferences to have scaled uh, scheduling um, so that it's not as as geared towards you know maybe favoring the bit the the haves versus the have-nots I think the other thing you've got to do is someone has to regulate the scheduling across conferences um, similar to the NFL where you have certain divisions crossing over each uh, each year uh, I would do very, very similar things with major college football. And I know that that kind of starts to play with conference autonomy, but at this point, it, you either have to get rid of some of the, the conference power in terms of who holds the power of scheduling and um, autonomy, uh, or, and if you do, like, you either have to give that up or you just have to give up the idea that you're ever going to have a real national champion. Because right now the system is not designed to produce a national champion. It is designed for the conferences to have what they want. And then the national title picture is kind of whatever is left over. So you've got to find a way to actually align the system around the playoff rather than around conference 
conference championships, which is ironic because the system is aligned around co the, the conference and what they want, and yet they mean less than they've ever meant. And so you just, you have to find a way to do that. I, I would then say the reason why it has to be 12 or 14 or maybe even 10 and not eight is, and this is where the, the, the regular season matters. Every game matters is I think you've got to introduce buys uh, to have buy bye weeks for the top four or the top six or the top two as an incentive to say, Hey, you can't, you can't give away a game at the end of the year, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're hurting, you're not healthy. Just drop a game. You know, the sec championship game is not going to matter anyway. Just, just lose it. It's fine. I, I think it incentivizes every game because you know what Ohio state wants they, want, they, they don't want to play an extra week. So what do you do? You win every game. So that's, I would, I would say 12, I think 12 teams is a sweet spot. Five automatic qualifiers with the power five, a sixth automatic qualifier with uh, a group of five, um, if they are in the top 15. And I would say the top four teams get buys. And then the other the other six teams, you can only have up to three, three teams in a conference in the playoffs. So you can't get more than, you can't fill it up with all your teams, but only up to three. And you've got to be, it's, it's, you've got to be ranked within the top 15 to get in. Um, that, that's how I would do it. I think it would, it would, it would benefit obviously Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, LSU, because, you know, the, the ra random year that, that they don't get in, now they're getting in. But I think it also gives more access to the Pac-12, gives more access to, to, the, big, to the Big 12. Um, it gives more access to Michigan and Penn State and Michigan State, which I think is a, it's a big deal. Like, at this, at this point, either Michigan or Penn State, either one of them probably would have made it uh, along with Ohio State almost every year. And you're talking about raising the profile now where Penn State's getting in the playoff every other year. That not only helps them in terms of name recognition, it helps them in recruiting because now people are like, oh, Penn State's getting to the, to the playoff every year or every other year. I can win a national championship at Penn State. I'm going to go to Penn State. I'm going to, I'm going to go to a conference that's not as tough and rugged as the SEC. So I think going bigger has to happen for parity. I think for recruiting, but I, I think you can't go eight solely because you got to give a little bit more incentive for the regular season. A couple other quick things and then I'll get to Don here. One is that I, ah, uh, I had a thought and I just lost it. What was the thought? Um, oh, it's, it's some brilliant thought that's lost in the nether. So I, I must just have no more thoughts. Um, in general, I think the playoff. Oh, I remember my thought. Wow. Thanks for listening for the past 30 seconds to me. Brain farting all over you. I'm sorry. Um, 
I think if you expand the playoff, you have to get rid of the amount of non-conference games and you have to shorten the amount of conference games. So I think, I think a sweet spot, I would say, and again, you need to have someone overseeing the entire sport of college football in doing this. I would say every conference you do three non-conference games and eight conference games. And that's what you do. And if you do that, you have to regulate, you know, there's two power five games and one group of five for the power five. And for the group of five, it's one power five and two group of five or some, you know, something that, that kind of just across the board regulates everything. So those are all my thoughts. I'm going to, we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to bring in Don for the second part of our show. He's going to be a lot more coherent and well, uh, well-spoken than I am, but I'm really excited for you guys to, to hear his thoughts um, and to just hear more about him. He's a great guy. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I am joined here with Don Castelline, my friend. Uh, we get to do some radio broadcasting in the booth for high school football. Uh, Don, say hi to the crowd for us. Hey, it's great to be here. It's nice to talk a little football. I know it's not in the midst of football season. There's all kinds of stuff that we get focused on, but it's, it is nice to take a break and talk some football. So thank you for the invitation. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. I know we've talked a little bit offline about the playoff, and I know we, we may have some similar opinions, maybe some differing opinions, but uh, you are uh, well-versed and very knowledgeable, and so I'm excited to get your perspective out there to the listeners here. Before we, we go any further, just let people know, how, how did you get into radio? What how did you start covering football and just what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, um, my interest in radio goes back to probably senior year, junior year of high school. I took a speech class. And so your first opportunity to kind of speak publicly. And I had a teacher that was like super encouraging. And so I kind of got interested in it, but my love for radio went back before that in that I would listen to the, I'm from Baltimore. So I listened to the Oriole broadcasts and Maryland football and basketball. And I'd listen to at the time, the Colts eventually, uh, you know, the, the Ravens would move in, but you know, I was a big baseball fan. So I'd, I'd listen to John Miller on the radio, or I'd listen to Johnny holiday, do the Maryland games. And I just loved the picture that you could paint through radio of sports. So it was just so cool listening to that as a kid. And then you know, speech class, and then it kind of got my interest into uh, pursuing it in college. So I had a radio, television, film degree. I went to Messiah, it's now university. Uh, they had a campus at Temple um, mm. at the time. And so I took two years of classes doing a lot of radio, TV things there. And that's when I had my eyes open to news and sports reporting. And in Philly, where Temple is, you can go to 
cover the Sixers or the Eagles, or we were, I was there actually very fortunately in 1993. So I saw the Phillies World Series game uh, when they took on Toronto and um, came up short in that game, but it was just cool to be part of the World Series environment. Um, but we would, you know, we would uh, just cover the events. And, and so I had no clue what I was doing, but you know, you're, <laughs> you're learning how to do interviews and all those things. So it was, it was really good. I was hooked. And I actually started doing play-by-play -play for the Temple women's basketball team. I did that for a full season. So that was my introduction to play-by-play. -play. And uh, radio doors opened after college. And I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to still announce high school football uh, through WGRC located in Lewisburg. Very cool. Very cool. So yeah. you, got to, you got to broadcast a, a World Series. Well, I was mostly I didn't I didn't do like play by play, but I would attend the game. I would get all the notes that they give to you and the newspaper guys are writing their stories. But the broadcast people always wait until after the game and then you go down and you get the interviews in the dugout or, or not in the dugout, but in the, the locker room with the players or you'd catch a press conference with the coach and maybe the star of the game. And then we would write our stories afterwards and record it for the radio. So most of my work took place. You watch the game. And then we'd get in and, and get our sound and write our stories afterwards. And for me, uh, this is just kind of a fun thing to remember. For a long time, I didn't know what I was doing. So you just take your microphone and you stick it in when other people are asking questions. And, you know, so whether it was Darren Dalton with the Phillies or whether it was a star for the Eagles, you know, you just try and get, get those comments. And at one point it was covering an Eagles game. And I thought, you know, I just have to ask a question at some point. I had to break through the confidence, you know, of saying, all right, I'm gonna ask an athlete a question. A lot of guys on the team I could have chosen. I have no idea what made me do it, but the guy I asked and he was uh, a, a key part of the, the victory for the Eagles, it was Herschel Walker. Whoa. And so, <laughs> of course, star for, you know, Georgia, a big, a big career in the NFL. And uh, so that was my first ever question of a pro athlete. And, but it, it was it was helpful for me um, because, you know, you get the response and and you learn, OK, you know, I can do this. I can I can uh, try and uh, learn this craft of how to communicate uh, sporting events. So he was my first question. But then you have other moments you uh, you know, the NBA locker room might be kind of different from how the, the vibe is, at, you know, football or, or baseball, but it's the same. It's the same basic idea. Yeah, that's cool. So Herschel Walker was like your first uh, first interview. Well, it was basically one question because like you, you sometimes get a bunch of reporters around these guys. And so you, 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 you try and jump in and get your question in. So for me, it was one question, then somebody else probably you know, jumped in and asked a question, that kind of thing. Um, later, I'd have full, you know, interviews with some of the some of the athletes. But at that time, it was just get your question in if you can. Yeah. So I did. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Thanks for sharing. And yeah, just giving an update on or giving us how you got into radio. One other thing, just to, to let people know, you also you work for a ministry called Keys Ministry, mm -hmm. which actually serves over in Moldova. Just Briefly talk about that yeah. because right now they're really impacted by what's going on with Russia. You know, Ukraine. absolutely. You know, I, I think right now we're in that mode where it's just part of what we're talking about around the world, what we see in Ukraine and, and Russia's uh, actions there. Um, Keys Connections is the name of the organization I'm serving with. Uh, we're located in Pennsylvania, but most of our partners are in 
Moldova and other countries as well over there, but our, our hub of activity is in Moldova and that borders Ukraine. So of course the dog's gonna decide to bark right now. <laughs> so the uh, situation basically. We're having some technical difficulties and the technical difficulty is a, is a puppy in the background, so. I'm working from home, so uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it works these days. Um, but anyway, our organization, we're located in Moldova with our partners and Ukraine has been streaming across the border and, you know, we're um, fortunate we have our, our folks on the ground there just helping refugees. So we're having a lot of communication and interest um, of what we can do to assist them. We actually help support a Bible university there uh, and some related ministry work. So that's what we normally do. But when life and situations change, we change with it. And, you know, so that's kind of what we're doing. So it's heavy stuff, of course, uh, big needs there. We're glad to help. And, you know, I think it's nice to take a break from those things just, you know, mentally. And so here we get to talk football, which gives us a, a little break from it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, definitely for those listening, make sure look up Keys Ministries, uh, pray for them, be thinking about them and think obviously, uh, our prayers to Ukraine as they're just going through this conflict. Um, Website is keysconnections.org. Keysconnections.org. Thank you. Yeah. You mentioned something lighter. Football fans may not think that this is a lighter topic, um, but it is. It is a lighter topic, um, but it is. We, we are going to talk about the playoff. Mm. And, you know, I think the playoff has been, it, it was something of a a great beacon of hope i mean dr pepper was making commercials like right before it started with uh larry culpepper it's like it was my idea the four four team playoff and uh i selfishly loved the four team playoff the first year because ohio state got in and won and um but you obviously have some some experience with playoffs on the high school level um obviously you've covered college athletics you've covered pro athletics let me just start with this do you think this playoff format has worked as they've gone from the bcs to the four-team playoff mm -hmm. well i think you know the ncaa doesn't really move quickly on anything the way it's structured and the way contracts work with bowl games and, and there's a whole bunch of factors with that so obviously i know it'd be nice in a perfect world if, hey, let's just try something different next year and they could they could experiment or, or move quicker. That you, doesn't happen. Are you accusing the NCAA of being slow? <laughs> it sounded that way, didn't it? It really did. <laughs> but, but, you know, when you think about it, I remember back to when, of course, it was um, not really even settled on the field. But, you know, you had rankings that, that totally determined it. And then we got to a place where, you know, you've got two teams and whether it was the BCS or another route, you know, you could kind of settle it that way. And, and the four-team playoff was helpful in that I felt like there was a number of seasons when somebody was always on the outside looking in from the context of what else could they have done? You know, they're undefeated and you can't do anything else other than win all your games other than maybe win with style points or try and change your schedule but for some schools it was hard so you know to be ranked number three and be you know 12 and 0 what else can you do and i think the 14 playoff since they implemented it 
I think anybody left out of that 14 playoff, and you can always debate and discuss, you know, hey, they could have won it or whatever, but everybody could look to something on their resume and say, well, if we would have won that, if we would have closed that game out, not had a collapse in the fourth quarter here, you know, they, they, they would have been in it. So I think it was a step of progress. Um, I do feel like, you know, the, the NCAA has room to grow in this area to have a little bit more inclusion, but I think there could be some boundaries on that too, to try and keep conference championships meaningful and, and have a uh, reasonably logistical, decent playoff run. Um, but the nice thing is to anybody who wins it now, even with four teams in it, you'll have made it to that top four and you'll have won two legit games, you know? So even if you're feeling like, wow, they had a weak schedule and they were 12 and 0, they'll have won two back-to-back big games to win a title. So I feel like the four team, it was progress. It's not a perfect system by any means, but it was progress. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a good perspective for sure. And it, it certainly beats, you know, if, if we had the four team system back, even when the BCS started, you know, one of the, one of the years that I, I often think about is 2004, where everybody knew that USC and Oklahoma were the two best teams and you had an undefeated Auburn out. And of course, Auburn wins their bowl game and Oklahoma gets just shellacked. I think it was 55 to 19. Right. And right. I mean, they, they kind of, they, they imploded in that game. I don't think that score was indicative necessarily of how, how much better USC was than the Sooners, but um, I, I think that if, if we had had the four team system all the way back in the early two thousands, there, there's some questions that I have in terms of who ends up coming out of those four team playoffs. And so I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I think this is, this is absolutely progress. You, you said that there's room to grow. You are, you know, we, we've covered PIAA playoffs together. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. although you've covered a lot more than I have, um, and then we've seen, I've actually covered D3 playoffs when I was at Muhlenberg as a student. D2, uh, Division Two. there's Division One AA or FCS. And all of them have 16, 32 teams. I think, I think Division Three. it was 16. Um, no, it might be 32. I, I'll have to look back. I forget what it was. I just know Muhlenberg never went very far. Uh, so I know that they had a lot of, they had a lot of, games they had to win and they didn't they didn't win them but what are the unique challenges of fbs because this is what i often hear and and this is a thought that i've had is you have all these other systems where they have 16 32 teams why can't the fbs do it that way and so yeah Yeah. i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on just unique challenges of the fbs I mean, and obviously they could do that. Um, one of the things, you know, I know the, they have to ask the question of, do we want to hold on to some kind of a bowl structure? I think the bowl system needs to evolve into something a little different from what the tradition and history was. I mean, you have organizers of the Rose Bowl that are still, it's got to be played at a certain time on a certain day, New Year's Day. And, and you know, there may come a point in time when you have to let go of some of the tradition. Yeah. And you could still, it doesn't mean you have to abandon bowls totally. Um, you know, and obviously you, you do have the high, the, the, the higher the level of play, you do have some of that player safety issue of, as far as the amount of games being played. Um, so that is a factor. I know, you know, you've got a, a student athlete perspective here, and I get that that can be talked about as far as, you know, these, these are, 
heavy, heavy uh, sports loads that these guys are doing. And that's what you sign up for when you go to play at Alabama or Ohio State or Penn State or wherever. Um, but at the same time, you do have the logistics, you know, timing of the season. Um, I guess the way I kind of look at it is you could you could find a little bit of a hybrid system that incorporates a few more teams. I, I personally don't think going to 32 teams really gives you an answer here. And there's a lot more um, number one to number 32 at that level of football. It's a huge difference. Uh, so let's face it, you know, whether you want to use Alabama in that top spot or, or Michigan or Georgia or whoever from this past season, and you take the number 32 team, um, this is not like uh, you're looking for a Cinderella story in basketball and there could be an upset or two. I mean, you're really, um, you're really going to find your champion every year in that top 10 for sure. Um, So you could go 16 teams, but I'm probably more of the camp that eight teams would be plenty or would be good. Uh, How you pick them, whether you do it from a ranking, I kind of like, giving your conferences an opportunity to really shine with making it matter to win the big 10, making it matter to win the SEC. So you don't have a national champ who didn't, you know, I mean, you could, but it's, it's nice when you value those, those conference champions. So I kind of like the scenarios when, you know, you, you take conferences that qualify, it might be five, maybe that number would change uh, to four, depending on how the teams perform but you take a certain number of conference winners with automatic bids, and then you have some at-large spots. Um, and then I think you could look back through the last 10 years and say, you know, your top eight, um, or, or it might be a team that was ranked number 10 and they happen to win the, uh, the, Pac, uh, the Pac-10 that year, or the, they were, they were the, they were the uh, a Big 12 champs or something like that. Um, that. That could be a viable team to see how would they stack up against can they put a three-game run together and win win a national championship? So, I think it gives you a little bit more inclusiveness. And again, anybody who's not going to qualify under that format, they've probably got at least two blemishes on their record yep. that that they made a mistake. Sometimes you can look at a team and say, "Well, it was just one one hiccup on the road, and it cost them a spot." But if you're not, if you wouldn't qualify in a scenario like that, then you've got multiple stumbles and at some point you just have to say, you know, it's somebody else's to win this year. Yeah. Well, I think we even talked about the the difference between this and March Madness where, Mm -hmm. you know, UMBC as a 16 seed beat Virginia and everybody's so excited about that. Oh, they beat Virginia. And then they get massacred. Sure. Like a round or two later. And it's, it's, it's a fun story, but they're not going to be a national champion. Right, right. They won't. But at the same time, the good thing with basketball, of course, is you've got a you've got a shot. Um, you've got a puncher's chance, if you don't mind the illustration of, of you know, that that physically sure the, the, the bigger teams, the dominant teams, the more athletic teams are nine out of 10 times they're going to win. But in basketball, you've always got that. You can go back to the miracle on ice and, you know, her Brooks, who's kind of like, not tonight. This will be our night. They might beat us nine out of 10, but not this game, you know, and, and you can kind of have that in basketball. We've seen that with a team that, Hey, they, they pick a, an upset or two or three. Yeah. Yes. They're not going to win the title, but you can play a lot more games of basketball in a short period of time. And I think yeah. that's the, the beauty of March madness is it, it'll settle out and you're going to have a legit, 
national champion who survives the chaos. And it's typically a team that's seated, you know, five or lower. So it's going to be a top 20 team. And typically it's a one, two, maybe three seed that's going to win it all. Usually that's just the way it plays out despite all the upsets. And it's such a fun event, but it doesn't, doesn't, if people are looking to take that, in my opinion, and translate it to football, not going to work out the same. Right. Yeah. Someone had made the point, I think it was a couple of years ago that the Mac champion, if you put all the conference champions in, the Mac champion was Miami of Ohio. And that year they played the big 10 champ, Ohio state. And I think Ohio state beat them like 76 to five. Mm. And it's like, that's, that'd be a playoff game. And I, I'm one not to argue that you should, you should do the playoff solely because of what fans want. I, I think you want to do what, the, what, what is going to care for the teams and the players the most and what makes mm-hmm. the most sense. But I, I like what you're saying. I, I might want to push to 10 or 12 teams, but I think I, I absolutely agree. I think conference champions like that has to matter at some degree, whether it's you have to be ranked in the top 10 and be a conference champ all the people who are saying don't let don't do automatic qualifiers i'm like well then why are we playing the conference like why are we playing yeah. conference games well and i think and for me i think obviously you know the sec and the big 10 might you know but primarily the sec you're going to be looking at you know having two teams in and so you know if an alabama or a georgia or someone stumbles at the end you know you'd like to see that second team get in which is where i think you could have automatic qualifiers and you're still going to have you know, maybe three at large bids. So you can yeah. get that extra team from a conference that's really strong. You can get a undefeated Cincinnati or an undefeated team that's sitting there at number eight, number nine, and, you know, they could get an at large bid. And I think, you know, it's up to conferences to stay relevant with the schools that they have to qualify for it. I mean, there's probably different ways that more people have thought about of how to do that. But one scenario that just kind of came to my mind was, you know, if you have uh, certain conferences, and we would look at maybe the big five, the power five conferences, you know, if your, your champion would go, but they'd have to finish ranked in the top 10. So if you happen to win a title and you're ranked 15, well, then maybe you don't get an automatic spot. Maybe you have to hope for an at-large bid. And I think obviously if you're ranked 15 and you win, you know, the ACC, and the ACC was down this past season. They still had teams that you know were right around ten. I didn't look at the final rankings, but um, but you know then obviously there's there's some issues that kept them out. But it would it would make it so you know if you're playing out west, anybody not named Oregon right now, you're not going in. Um, yeah. Hopefully USC and and you know Washington, some other states, other programs can get relevant again. But hey, if you win, look at Utah. You win the the pack. Uh, and have a high enough ranking, you're in. I think Utah had, they were pretty exciting at the end of the year, but I think they finished with four losses. So yeah, again, there should be no crying there because they had opportunities they could have, you yeah. know, bettered themselves. So, so I feel like, again, I like that eight number. Um, I don't feel like anybody passed that. I, I, again, I think, and I think, you know, conferences could uh, conceivably grow themselves and, and get automatic bids if you get enough through the course of time, maybe you'll get recognized and, and uh, you know, be able to get one of those automatic spots, but. Yeah. Or they'll just join the SEC. And, well, and, and see, and that's one of the things that would frustrate me as a fan. We're just going to flock to the SEC and the Big Ten's in a pretty good spot, maybe number two there, but 
some conferences, Big 12, you know, how long are they going to stay uh, relevant? I, you know, I'd like to see these conferences hang on. And knowing that someone, you know, if I'm a student athlete and maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll jump on a school there because there's a, Oklahoma State might have a great, a great run to get one of those automatic spots or, or USC out West or whatever. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe we can keep the conferences a little bit more stable and not let's just go and make the SEC the, uh, you know, automatic spot to get yourself in the national playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your thoughts, Don. Let me get you out on this last question. You are obviously a, a Maryland Terrapins fan. That is true. Um, they, they've been, they've had glimmers of magnificence, you know, beating Texas two years in a row and beating West Virginia in the non-conference. And then you have the Iowas and the Ohio States where they just get mm. blown off the field. It's rough. What, what do you think the ceiling is for the Terps in the next three years? Mm. Well, you know, Maryland, Maryland has never really been known as being a, a football program. If we were doing a basketball podcast here, then I'd say, yep, you could see how Maryland could have a resurgence and get some of that magic back from 20 years ago when they won a national championship. I don't see college football playoff on Maryland's horizon anytime soon. Not to mention the fact they play in a really tough conference and, a, and the hardest division in that conference. Um, so it's a tough road to go. I, I do think um, Coach Loxley is probably a good fit there. He seems to attract uh, good playmakers. And obviously you need good quarterback play and they're getting that this year. Uh, they had the, that this past year with Talia um, Tungavailoa. So hopefully um, you can build on that. Uh, sometimes programs will really have setbacks, especially when your quarterback uh, play reduces. So Maryland's ceiling might be a little bit on who, who is waiting behind Talia, you know, in the years mm -hmm. behind. I know they're attracting better draft classes and, and Maryland is going to have to uh, improve up front. You know, when you're playing Ohio State, Michigan and Iowa up front, you're going to have to protect your quarterback and run the football and and they've not had a very strong defense. Um, I, I see how Maryland, um, you know, could become a better than 500 team in, in you said in the next three years, um, yeah. maybe, maybe getting back to that, you know, 500 level, maybe just a little above. I, I don't see them yet playing for big 10 titles. I do remember a few Terp teams from years ago when they, you know, would get into some nice bowl games and, were a little bit relevant. I remember an Orange Bowl a long time ago uh, that they had a great run, but um, yeah, I, I, for a consistent winner, they're a little ways off, but I, I do, you always have that optimism, you know, that your program can kind of turn it around. I never attended Maryland, but again, I grew up listening to Johnny Holiday announcing them, and I, uh, I'll just, I'll end with this. My, my favorite Maryland football memory as a kid, I was watching a game, and I remember this game so well. They played the Miami Hurricanes in Miami, and at the time, Miami were the, the bad boys of college football. They were rivals, but Mar Miami just destroyed Maryland every time they played them. And I was watching the game, I think I was 12, and optimistic that this could be our Saturday. Well, Maryland went down like 34-0 at halftime. Oof. They made a change at quarterback, and a guy named Frank Wright came in, played the second half. And I almost had turned it off, but touchdown, then another touchdown, another touchdown. And if you go back and Google like Maryland, uh, Miracle in Miami, 
It'll mm. be about Maryland's comeback win, and they denied a two-point conversion attempt that they had gone ahead of Miami, and Miami tried to wow. tie it with a two-point conversion, and I think Keita Covington knocked it away, preserving Maryland's stunning comeback victory, and it's just a reminder that you just never know on any given day what's going to happen, and uh, uh, Miami, I think, fueled Maryland at halftime by the the way the the uh, the first half had played out, and no doubt words said and actions done, and so anyway, I have those those moments when Maryland will give me something special, but to do it on a weekend week out basis, that's it's tough. It's tough yeah. to see if they can dig back out. Yeah, Frank Reich at quarterback. How about and, you that? Know, he knew he knew how to do the comebacks in the in the uh, in the pros as well. So uh, good for him. He's yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that, goes, that goes back a few years. I remember watching Boomer Esiason and others playing at Maryland as well. And mm. uh, they've had some, they've had a few, few real fun stars to watch through the years. Yep, for sure. For sure. Well, thanks, John, for joining us. Uh, we're going we're gonna to conclude the podcast here. So thanks for listening. Again, go to key connect, keysconnections.org if you're interested in seeing more about Keys Ministries and what they're doing uh, over at uh, in Moldova, which is bordering Ukraine, obviously super relevant right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, if you if you want to listen to Don uh, in the morning or for high school football in Pennsylvania, if you're out in Michigan, I probably don't care about Pennsylvania high school football, but if you want to, you go to WGRC.com uh, and every Friday night in the fall, you will hear Don and sometimes you'll hear me. Uh, but you can listen We're glad to, to have you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely listen, listen in uh, on Friday nights, but this has been the big 10 football talk podcast. Thanks for listening and God bless. Mm -hmm.